Coming up next on Abounding Grace. When trials come, we need to remember, hey, the good news is that we have a good shepherd. And not only is it we have a good shepherd, but then God begins to reveal to me the things that really matter in life. The things that really matter in life is Jesus Christ and the people that he died for. That's what matters. That maybe, just maybe, what's going on right now is God's going to use me as a vessel to draw people to himself like he couldn't use anyone else. This is amazing grace. We say it often at the turn of the year, Happy New Year. But maybe for you, it's not been such a happy new year. While there may be some painful trials for you in 2020, there's something important to remember in the midst of them. We have a good shepherd who will not only be with us, but can use those trials in great ways. That's the focal emphasis of today's study in Romans 5, and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is spending some extra time in chapter 5 and relating it to what we find in Psalm 23. Here he is with part 2 of When Trials Come, Remember Our Good and Great Shepherd. Verse 3 of chapter 5 in Romans is a teaching that is going to stretch every single one of us. It's not a verse that you can read and simply absorb and say, oh yes, I agree with it. As a matter of fact, many of us read verse 3, and not only that, we also glory in tribulations, and we stand back and say, no, no, I don't. I don't always glory in tribulation. I don't like tribulation. Truly, I wish I never had to face another trial. I wish I would never have to face a difficulty in my body or in my mind or in my life. No, we can look at verse 3 and say, well, in the past, as I've come through trials and tribulations, I can glory because I've seen God's faithfulness. I can look back and say, I went through this. It was one of the toughest times of my life, one of the most difficult times of my life, one of the times when I was ready to throw in the towel and give up, but God got me through it. So he can get me through this one too. He can strengthen me through this. That not all is lost. Not everything is going to be against me, that God is not using trials against me, he's using trials for me, to develop me. Well, we learned that, didn't we? That we can glory in tribulations because we know that that tribulation is producing in our lives. And it produces in us wonderful things that can't be produced any other way. Perseverance and character and hope. We get to rest and stand upon the glorious grace of God throughout every situation. And even though we have a problem with Paul when he says we glory in tribulations, and we also have a problem with James when he says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And even though we have problems with that, and even though it doesn't make a lot of sense, we know, we know, we know that we have a good and great shepherd that's going to walk through us through every situation. We know that. We know that not only did he forgive us of our sins, but he's given us new life and new hope and new direction. You know, everyone goes through trials. Unbelievers get cancer. Unbelievers have car accidents. Unbelievers face marriage difficulties. Unbelievers go through the same things that you and I do. The difference is, is they have no hope. 
You and I in Jesus Christ, not only do we have hope, but we have the shepherd of hope, Jesus Christ. It's the truth. And that's what we have to give others. That's how we comfort others. That's how we encourage others. It's not just our physical presence in, our, in their lives, but it's our spiritual presence in their lives to point them to Jesus Christ. But they won't listen to me, Ed. Don't give up. They don't believe me, Ed. Don't give up. They won't listen to me, Ed. Don't give up. You keep pointing them to Jesus Christ. You keep loving them in Jesus Christ. You keep encouraging them in Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit do the work that you and I cannot do. Oh, trials are tough. And you might look at Paul and go, who are you to talk to me about trials? And Paul says, you want to know who I am? And we went through that list, didn't we? This is the third study on this topic. And if you weren't here for the last couple weeks, you need to get the entirety of our time where we spent just in Romans 5. And then last week looking at the first part of Psalm 23 and now today finishing it up. Because Paul, he knows what he's talking about. He went through things that many of you and I will never ever see in the entirety of our lives. He's not just talking from some platitude. He's not just up in some ivory tower in some seminary somewhere writing books and talking to people about the things of life from a high and lofty place. Paul was in the same streets and roads that you and I were in, facing the same kind of things that you and I face. You can trust Paul. The Holy Spirit uses his life just as the Holy Spirit uses your life as you go through things. Your testimony, your past, God's faithfulness, God uses it all. Nothing, listen, listen, nothing, absolutely nothing is wasted in your life in the hands of God. Whether it was your knucklehead mistake or someone else's, God can use it. He can redeem it. And we can look back and come to the place in verse 3 where we can wholeheartedly agree. Not only that, but we also glory in the tribulations, not for them, but in them, because God is at work. And we do ask questions in tri times of trial, don't we? Why, Lord? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why? But we're learning those aren't the right questions to ask, because heaven doesn't always answer the questions of why. Heaven does ask the questions, what? What, Lord, are you wanting to do in my life through this? What are you wanting to change in my life, Lord? What people do you want me to reach out to, Lord? Because my life is yours. And when we ask the what question, God, he gives answers to the what question. But I also suggested another question, didn't I, last week? And that's the who question. Who is your shepherd? Who is your God? Okay, so now the heaviness of a trial, temptation, a situation comes, and you cry out, now what? And then who? Because God's not always going to deliver us from the trial. Many times he delivers us through the trials. We go through it. I know we cry out, take me out. And God's answer sometimes from heaven is, I'm going to take you through. And I'm going to teach you, son. And I'm going to teach you, daughter, more about me, more about you, so that together I can infuse in you more of the character of my son, Jesus Christ, in your life. Trials, none of us like them. You see, every single circumstance that comes to us in life is first sifted through the hand of the one who loves us. You could say that every circumstance that comes our way is first father-filtered toward us, and he knows they're coming before we ever see them. And that's where David is in Psalm 23. This young shepherd boy grew up to be a king, trained on the fields with the sheep, he, in six verses and 117 words in the English, summarizes our heart's desire 
in times of difficulty. I can't find another place in scripture that's sweeter than Psalm 23 in relation to tough times. That David understands that it's God's word that's going to be that source of strength in your life. You can jot it down in Psalm 119 verse 14. David writes, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I get the picture of someone winning the lottery and so excited they're without words. They don't know what to say. All of their needs in their mind are taken care of. They'll never see another bill they can't pay. Never have a worry at the end of the month. They'll never in their mind have a financial difficulty and they're so excited. But the Bible says that we rejoice in his word like someone else might rejoice in winning all that money. It's like, I have every answer I need right here. I have every insight that's necessary for me to live a life that pleases God and perseveres through every circumstance, every situation. We have a book that gives us insight. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you're in today, we can rejoice in the way of his testimonies. There's nothing else to hold on to but the truth. You and I need to hear the truth whether we want it or not. We need to cling to the truth. One of the truths that we're learning is that none of us are immune to trials and temptations. None. Whether we bring it upon ourselves or someone else's sin brings it upon us or it's a combination of the two, living in this world, desiring to live for Jesus Christ, trials and tribulations, they're yours and they're mine. And God uses them. They produce. When tough times came to our brother Job, remember it wasn't his friends that uplifted him. Oh man, get away. It wasn't his wife that uplifted him. You know what it was? It was God's word. Listen, jot it down. Job chapter 23 verse 12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, Job says. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I mean, he had to get to that place, didn't he? That as much as food is beautiful and wonderful and I want that meal and I've got that special gift card to that restaurant, Job says this, look, what I've gone through and what I've faced, hey, the word of God is greater than any restaurant, any meal, I don't care who's cooked it or if it's my favorite, God's word is better than my necessary food. And you're like, wow, Ed, I'm not there. The Holy Spirit will draw you there. He'll develop in you a love for his word. You know, one of the main reasons we teach God's word from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, word by word, is because as we do that, we know God has given it to us. And it's interesting that you develop an appetite for that which you are fed. You realize that? So that's why different people have different tastes here because your favorite food is different because that's all your mom made for you. And you're like, wow, that's a great meal. That's your favorite. Someone else grew up with a different favorite meal because you become hungry for that which you're fed. And when you're fed the word of God week after week and month after month, when your devotional life comes alive, when you're receiving from him, guess what? Your appetite only grows for what? More of his word. When his word starts to come alive and answer the issues of your heart, you go, I'm going to go back there. When you sit down with a pastor or, or some, a leader in the fellowship and they open the word to you and they give you direction and, they get, and you might leave and go, I don't like that, I don't like that, but it's the truth and I'm going to obey God and you see God come through, you know what? You crave for more of the truth even if it is painful a little bit. Job, I treasured his word. And so what word do we have in Psalm 23 but the description of our shepherd? And that's where David begins in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
That's cool. Of all the ways that he could describe his God, when it came down to it, he said, hey, the Lord's my shepherd. And of course, you know what that makes us, right? Sheep. Not the most flattering description of us, of all the things that we've looked at and we will look at this morning, but it's true. We're so much like sheep. That is God's, heaven's perspective from, for us and on us. Sheep, sheep, bah, sheep. Not much to say many times. Wandering and straying and button heads. But if the Lord is our shepherd, well, we need a shepherd. We can't do this on our own. Sheep aren't the smartest animals on the farm. They need help. And in our lives, we recognize we're not embarrassed by it. We need wisdom from God to get through this world. We need to know what God's will is and what his heart is. For those of you that got saved later in life, what did you do with your life on your own? What progress did you make? Well, what people did you have? In what way were you living for the things of God? And of course, so many of us, although we might have been good people, really weren't heavenly minded and good for the God's perspective and for his name. And I, I love this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, so I'm not going to want. I don't have any wants or needs because the Lord's my shepherd. I don't want anything. I have no need. He's taking care of everything for me. He takes care of needs that I don't even know I need. He's got me fully covered. You know, have you ever had God come through for you in such a way and you step back and go, whoa, I didn't even know I needed that. I had no idea. That's what trials do. Trials unveil parts in our hearts. We didn't even know that was our heart. It's like, oh, I didn't want to know. Not only does he reveal for us and provide to us, but then when he reveals things in our heart, he gives us the direction to get out of it, get out from under it and grow. He says in verse 2 of Psalm 23, and we looked at this in depth last week, so get the study off the web or pull the CD out here after the service. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. Why? Because we need to rest, don't we? Some of you just refuse to rest. You refuse to rest. You refuse to lie down. You refuse to slow down. You think somebody else is going to get ahead of you. You think you're going to lose out on something. And so what does our shepherd do? He says, rest. Take a rest. And he uses a lot of different ways to do that. Sometimes it is a trial or two. And then after we rest in those green pastures, those fruitful pastures, it says, he leads me. It doesn't say he pushes me. It doesn't say he prods me. It doesn't say he drives me. Our shepherd leads us. You know what that means? He's in front. He's ahead of us. Everything that we face, the shepherd's already been there. And he leads us in the paths or leads us beside the still waters. Verse 3, he restores my soul. You know, there are things that wreck our lives personally and internally. We carry around the burdens of life in our very heart and our very soul. It's not just an outward mistake. It's not a stumble and a scrape on the elbow. It is a pain and it is something that's deep inside of us. And what does our shepherd do? He restores our soul. He deals with the things on the inside. He doesn't just take care of the, the scraped elbow, but he then takes care of our hearts and he takes care of our insides. And I love that about our shepherd. Some of you are carrying around the deepest scars and wounds and pain. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring this beautiful restoration in your heart. The Holy Spirit wants to work through the things that have happened in your life so they become a testimony and not a source of bitterness for the rest of your life. The shepherd wants to restore your soul. He wants you to live the life that he's desired for you to live. He wants you to have an abundant life. He leads, verse 3, us in the paths of righteousness. He tells us which way to go. He tells us what's right. And he says, here, follow me. And I'll, you follow me and I'll take good care of you. Why, he says in verse 3, for his name's sake. And so we pick up in verse 4 where we left off last time. Yea. 
Do you know you could read that one of two ways? Well, there's a, probably a lot of ways you could read it. You go, yay, you don't even finish. Or you could read it somewhere along the lines, yeah, oh, I'm so hurting. I don't like this valley. And you cry out. It's just this word where you just cry out with the groans and the utterings from a damaged, wounded, battered, broken life. But either way you say it, say it. Express yourself before the Lord. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know that you and I can't always live on the mountaintops? Having those what we call mountaintop experiences. You know, sort of what you get when you go to a retreat. And you go up and you're just hanging out. You don't have to go to work. You don't need to worry about your email. You leave all your cares and concerns behind. And then in that retreat, the Lord blesses you, ministers to you. And you often, we often refer to that as this mountaintop experience where we're just receiving from the Lord. But you know, you can't live on the mountaintops. You got to come back down into the valleys of real life. You do need those times of mountaintop experiences to encourage you and uplift you and have that personal time with the Lord. But you know, the, the successes of Christian life come in the valleys, not the mountaintops. They come in the day-to-day -day grind that we face in the valleys that are filled with shadows. Shadows that hide things. Shadows that scare us. Shadows that hold back from us even the very next step. What is, what's next? I can't see because the shadows are covering up what's up ahead. And he says, even though I'm in the sh valleys, even though I'm in the valley, and he mentions a specific valley, that is the valley of the shadow of death. Death is a very scary thing sometimes bringing shadows with it. And David wants us to know that the Lord is with me even in that valley that's full of destruction and death. God is with me and I'm not alone. Do you know that if you're in Jesus Christ today and you have a relationship with him, that you're connected to him, he will never leave you in life or in death. Never, ever, never. He'll never turn his back upon you. I love that about the shepherd because when, when you begin to think of the shepherd leading you, he doesn't, he doesn't God, God through his son Jesus Christ doesn't say, you know what, here's the valley of the shadow of death, Ed. It's right up there. I, I, there it is. I want you. I'm going to go this way with all the rest of the 99 and you're on your own in the valley. Go ahead. Take your, take your walk. Go ahead. You're all alone. He doesn't do that. No, not only does he not do that, not only does he go through the valley of the shadow of death with us, but you know something special and sweet that we have as Christians and that is other Christians that go through the valleys with us. One of the reasons why Christians don't go through the valleys with other Christians is because the believers that are in the valley right now don't ask for help. And then the enemy uses that like, hey, you know, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you. Well, what do you mean nobody loves you or cares about you? We don't even know. Unless the Lord gives us some word of wisdom, we wouldn't know unless you said something. But when you do open your mouth, and when you do send out that prayer request, when you do make that phone call and you ask for help, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit binds together other believers to walk through the valley with you. And he's going to do that. The Holy Spirit brings us so much comfort. You know, on the arid terrains of the fields, dangers lurked at every corner. There were shadows and difficulties in every valley. There wasn't a valley that was there that didn't have some sort of danger or multiple dangers. David knew that as a shepherd. 
Shepherds faced dangers with their flocks all the time. There were rampaging rivers in flood stage. There were avalanches. There were rock slides. There were windstorms. There were poisonous plants. There were predators on every side. There was sleet. There was hail. There was snow. There were all sorts of storms. There were wolves. You name it. They, shepherds faced it. And the way that the shepherds protected the sheep was by being with the sheep. Not by kind of setting them up over there and say, you guys are on your own. I'll keep my eye out for you. But he was right there in the middle. You know how we know that? Because Jesus said as much. Flip over to John chapter 10, would you please? We're studying John's gospel in our midweek service. Right now it's Thursdays, soon to be Wednesdays. When? I don't know. But soon we will move to Wednesdays. Continuing our study in the gospel of John. And we spent a few weeks on John chapter 10 because we couldn't go through it fast. We had to slow down and let Jesus speak to us. And he, he speaks in John chapter 10 of being the good shepherd. And that's so neat and wonderful. He's not just any shepherd. He's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So therefore, he's the good shepherd. He laid down his life for us so that we might have our sins forgiven and have new life. But he says something. We'll pick up in verse 1, John's Gospel, chapter 10. Most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things which he spoke to them. That's encouraging, right? Because you can read the Bible and like, I don't understand. Well, they didn't either, so you're all right. Verse 7, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So not only is he the good shepherd, but in that sheepfold enclosure where the sheep would come to rest and take comfort over throughout the evening, the shepherds just didn't take off. There was somebody there to caretake them at the door. And Jesus says, as a shepherd, I'm not going to take some other doorkeeper and put them at the fold while you're there resting. Jesus said, I'm the door. There's nobody going to come through and touch you until they come through me. I'm going to be there to hem you in and to protect you. And the way that Psalm 23, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the way that we're comforted is that the shepherd is with us. And I have found throughout my life that the good news of the gospel brings the life to, to my life the necessary perspectives that I so greatly need. Because trials throw me off. And I don't really see things the way God sees them. I, my eyes get quickly distracted from my shepherd. And what do they get focused on but my problem? They, they, right away. And, and the way my mind works is I think on it and I think on it and I think on it. I mean, it's horrible. You just got to cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And so when trials come, we need to remember, hey, the good news is that we have a good shepherd. And not only is it we have a good shepherd, but then God begins to reveal to me the things that really matter in life. The things that really matter in life is Jesus Christ and the people that he died for. That's what matters. That maybe, just maybe, what's going on right now is God's going to use me as a vessel to draw people to himself like he couldn't use anyone else. Maybe what I faced or what I went through, the pain, the agony, the hurt, well, now I'm going to become a vessel so that other people are doing the same thing or worse than I'm going through or that I did. Now I can be a vessel to reach out to them and say, you know what, I see your life. It's messed up. You're, you're headed downhill fast. But you know what? I was on the same slippery slope as you are, and look what God has done to me now. Yes, God help us to be that sort of encouragement to those around us.
This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Romans right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. It's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 